What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Real Talk NFT, where we talk thing, all things Web3. Super excited today to have on Ashley Myers, who is a writer, director, and producer of a new feature film, but he's also an actor in it. So that's something um, that's super interesting as well. And, and just to correct let, you, just to correct you yes. there, I'm actually not an actor in the film, um, mm-hmm. but we have we have a great cast that I'm happy to talk about, including Academy Award nominated actor Eric Roberts. Gotcha. Yeah. Thank you for the correction. I just yeah, yeah, saw no, you there as a jogger, you know, so okay, in my yeah, mind, yeah. I'm like, okay, it's a little cameo. You a... I would say, I would say, um, yeah, it's like, it's like the cameo. Alfred Hitchcock model where you kind of see him, but I have no lines and I'm an absolutely terrible actor. So you wouldn't, you, nobody would want me in my movies, including me. Right. Okay. Thank you for the correction there. So yeah. Uh, well, let, before, you know, we jump into the project, how about, you know, Ashley, you give yourself, uh, give the audience here just mm-hmm. a brief, you know, intro to you and, the, and your background and how you got inspired, you know, to get into the Web3, you know, verticals. Sure. So, um, you know, I think I'm very typical of a lot of Americans. I mean, just people in general that are interested in film. I grew up in Annapolis, Maryland. So not exactly a town that has a history of, you know, the entertainment industry or acting. There were really no artists to speak of in Annapolis, at least none that I interacted with. Um, so there wasn't like a template to do something creative. So, but I was just always fascinated by it. I ended up being an accounting major in college and just, I knew I just wasn't really that enthused about it. So I just got interested in film, started writing scripts. And then when I graduated college, I just moved out here with a buddy of mine and we just started selling scripts. I mean, we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know anybody just threw everything literally in a $500 1958 Ford pickup truck and just drove across the country and um, started writing scripts and sending them out there. And we had a little luck early on in the late 90s. We sold a script called Dish Dogs. Um, It was a little bit of a different era back then as far as indie film is concerned. But um, it was a good experience. We kind of got ourselves going and, and sort of felt like we could make it make it go at this. Um, and then since then, I've been continuing to write and sell scripts. And and I started to get into writing, directing and producing um, some of my own scripts as well. And that sort of brings me here today to The Rideshare Killer, which is my latest film as a writer, director, producer. And during this time, too, I did get into what I would say is sort of the, the Web 2.0 or even the 1.0 as the, as the late 90s were, were sort of coming on. Um, that was the dot-com bubble. And um, while I sold this script, Dish Dogs, um, I didn't make a ton of money off of it. So I was still working like a normal job. And that was in that I got a job in the tech field, really just knowing a little HTML. And that company mm. was an internet advertising company um, called L90. And they were using Perl for whatever reason, which is a programming language. Um, fair, it's, it's open source. It's easy to just learn. So I started learning programming at that point and kind of got nice. a background in that and continued to develop you know, both as a writer and continued to develop as a programmer and worked for many, many years up until about 2012, 2013, worked professionally as a um you know, a programmer, essentially a web developer, um, all I sort of converted over to PHP, you know, that's a little more standard. I don't even know if Perl is really used widely anymore. But, um, but that's how I got into it. I learned PHP, MySQL, HTML, JavaScript, that sort of stuff. And so I had a little bit of background in programming, as I've started to learn about crypto. And so that's sort of what happened. I mean, I just my kids got on TikTok, I, you know, young kids, and they got on TikTok, maybe two years ago, three years ago. So I said, you know, I should figure out what TikTok is and my kids mm-hmm. are looking at it. And I went on there and for whatever reason, the algorithm decided that I was probably going to be interested in crypto. So I just started <laughs> getting tons of crypto influencers on TikTok and learning that way. And obviously the NFT space came with that. And, um, you know, I'm just bullish on crypto in general and NFTs in general. So I just started thinking with my most recent project, The Rideshare Killer, you know, how could I do something kind of cool in this Web 3.0 space? And I just started really trying to think about it from a fan's perspective and 
you know, what, what would be cool for a, a movie fan? Cause I am first and foremost, I mean, I'm just a film fan. I love movies. I love going to the movies. I grew up watching movies. So I just sort of thought what would be a cool thing for a film fan to own in this web 3.0 space. And I think it's a frame of the film. That's sort of my idea is one frame of the film, you minted into an NFT. And so what I ended up doing, me and my partner, Tony, the other producer, we took the whole film. It's an 84 minute minute film, roughly 25 frames per second. So you can do the math on that. It's about 120,000 frames. And um, again, I had a little bit of background in programming. I started to see some of these guys that were creating NFT collections of 10,000. And essentially, you write some little Windows automation to start minting these things. So I had some experience with that. So I sort of knew technically I could probably take this on. And then again, just thinking of it as a film fan, for me, it's like if I, I, I grew up, you know, in the 80s. So like if I could get a Star Wars a frame from one of the original Star mm. Wars movies, I just think that would be so cool. Those are some of my favorite right. movies. Um, they really impacted my life. Um, so that was sort of my thinking here was I, I do believe that eventually all movies will do this by default. They'll just mint the frames into an NFT and p- wow. then the fans can go in there and they can start to um, decide which are the cool ones, which are the ones that should be valuable and cherished. And they'll start to pick them. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I really wanted your perspective on the show to talk about uh, something, a term that I think you coined, right? It's the EFM, the every mm-hmm. frame minted uh, yeah. term. Can you tell us about that? I mean, yes. you just did, but. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, so, so I had a guy, you know, I run a screenwriting podcast myself over at selling your screenplay.com. Oh, nice. So as I started to get interested in crypto, I just started Googling, you know, films, NFTs, you know, movies that have done NFTs. And so just started to learn about the space. And one of, at least in my opinion, one of the more interesting projects was this fellow. I can't remember his name, but he did. He was a mid in the Midwest. So not connected to Hollywood or really connected to anybody, just a true artist, like a really creative mm. guy that was making really artistic movies. And I had him on my podcast. He had gotten a lot of PR out of it. He had minted some of his frames. And when I say some, probably like 10 or 20 of his frames into NFTs. And I, so I had him on podcast. So I was a real nice guy, real transparent. And I asked him that question. I said, well, why, you know, why not just because he had sold the 20 that he had done. I said, why not mint every frame into an NFT? And to me, he, he had all the sort of typical artist reasons, which are, oh, some of the frames are blurry. Some of them aren't that cool. Um, but I, to me, that that was the cool thing about it was, you know, some of the blurry frames are actually kind of cool. But more mm. importantly is to me, part of the ethos of crypto is this idea that it's you know, it's decentralized. It's, there's not, it's not top down, it's bottom up. So let's release every frame, the entire movie, EFM, every frame minted. Let's release it on the public and let's let them decide what are the cool frames. I mean, an example, a good example is like The Shining. I mean, there's that iconic image mm. of Jack Nicholson bashing right. into things. That is a cool image, no doubt. But if they had released every frame of that film, then the fans would have decided what are the iconic images. It might have been that exact image because, I mean, I'm sure the, the filmmakers, they're no dopes either. They looked at the frames and decided which is one of the cool images. So there's definitely some probably some correlation there. But, you know, why not let the fans get invested in the movie right. and actually be a part of choosing what are the cool scenes? What are the cool moments of this film? So that's sort of where, where it's sort of that say my eureka moment came from. Yeah, I'm getting goosebumps just hearing about it because there's so much intrinsic value for the viewers, but also mm-hmm. extrinsically, you can see where the value lies, where a certain frame might be valuable to me, but mm-hmm. you know, the market dictates otherwise. And the 
the opportunity to own not just one frame, but the entire fight scene of Darth Vader, mm-hmm. let's say, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then what, and what the implications of that could mean? What if there's a DAO for future, mm-hmm. you know, voting rights for the sequel or prequel or whatnot? Mm-hmm. There's there's so many things that you can tie within, you know, the abilities of a smart contract. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, my mind sure. is just, you know, just blown hearing about what's possible. And so my question is, since you've launched this, you're the first I've heard or mm-hmm. seen, you know, launch at EFM. And, yeah, um, and I've so. done some pretty significant significant research at this point. I cannot <laughs> find any other films that have even attempted yeah. this. No. And in some ways, it's kind of a bad thing because now I'm like atop of this mountain, but there's nobody else on the mountain and there's nobody <laughs> even looking at looking for the mountain at this point. So that's what we're trying to do now is just get word out. Um, but a big piece of this, too, is looking at it from the other perspective. I think there's a lot about obviously to the film fan. And again, I come come at it through a film fan first, but there, it makes sense for the filmmakers as well. I mean, releasing this, that's one thing that filmmakers have. We have a lot of frames. I mean, as I said, this one film has a, it's only an 84 minute film. So you talk about Star Wars and, and those Marvel films, you're talking 200,000 frames and more. So if you just start to do some napkin math, I mean, it adds up to a lot, potentially a lot of money, especially if you already have a following as like Star Wars and Disney and Marvel have. Um, I just can't imagine with 200,000 frames. I mean, there's millions of Marvel fans, millions of Star Wars fans. They could mint those films into, into NFTs and it would make a lot of sense to them. And as I said, as a film fan, you know, I remember the days as a kid where I was collecting those Star Wars cards. You know, you go to 7-Eleven and I think back then it was like a dollar 50 cents or something. You get a pack of Star Wars cards. There'd be like 10 cars, a dried out piece of bubble gum. And those were like so cool as film fans. And it goes exactly to what you're saying where, you know, we would collect like if we liked Luke Skywalker, we would collect the cards with Luke Skywalker. There was so many ways, exactly one card from every scene. You, know, you would put these collections together. There's an endless number of ways that fans can get this. If you have a favorite actor, you could collect, you know, a couple of frames from each one of the films he was in. Exactly what you're saying. If you have a favorite scene, you can collect um, a, fa- you know, a bunch of those frames from that scene. A moment, even a moment with, you know, 60 frames or something. You could collect that two or three or four second moment that you think is cool. Um, or even just a piece of it, just one frame of it. So there's so many ways to slice and dice this, much like my own experience with those, you know, very physical cardboard Star Wars cards. Um, you know, we see this with baseball cards, football cards. It's just it's just a cool thing for fans to have and collect and do. Yeah, it's and something I like about it, it's indestructible. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of the toys and collectibles I've had, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and different, you know, comics and mm-hmm. movies that I like, I can no longer find them or they're just half destroyed, you know. So mm-hmm. this is something a little bit more immutable and I can pass on to my kids, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah, future yeah. generations. Absolutely, and absolutely. Just, and, yeah. I, and I do, I see too, I see a real, there's going to be not, probably not, I mean, could be this year. Someone's going to start creating a, an app for your phone where you can just show your friends all your NFTs, swipe through them, and then probably even trade them. You know, you put your phone next to their phone and you could trade these things back and forth. So that's the sort of infrastructure now that sort of needs to be built out. And just think of how cool that would be. You know, you go to a party and you show your friends your NFTs and you will relive these movies. And these movies are, you know, movies are a part of our life. The, the moments we see them, we remember what we were doing. We remember the friends we went with, the impact that these movies have. And, you know, if you have these on your phone, you can show your friends at a party. You could potentially trade them. You can reminisce. Oh, remember that hilarious joke from that funny movie? I got, you know, a frame from that. And you'll, you'll relive that moment and laugh with your friends. Um, again, it just feels, it feels to me like, 
the direction film should go and, and, and hopefully will go. Um, again, just to really service the film fans, I just think it would be incredibly cool. Um, I know as a film fan, I would love, there's so many films I would love to go and start buying frames from. Yeah, that's definitely a more innovative approach. What we've seen so far, at least what I've seen, is mm-hmm. you might have seen this also, Warner Brothers release their film uh, with a NFT, Lord of the Rings one they did, but they just sort of half-baked created a collection mm-hmm. with digital image, image, but they didn't sell the frame itself. They they sold, you know, behind the scenes access, mm-hmm. which is already available in Web2, but, you know, just kind yeah. of packaged it as an NFT. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the value definitely lies, seems like it would lie more on, you know, the IP itself. Granted, you don't own the IP, but ha- feeling a part of the film mm-hmm. is something that I believe, you know, every frame minted should be applied to a lot of different, you know, studios out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I definitely encourage any studio has listening here or yeah, even yeah. yourself to go <laughs> approach the studios to, to talk, uh, to, to do that because, you know, not only big mm-hmm. studios, but even smaller entities or, or, or creators, uh, even like myself before when I did a lot of YouTube videos, you know, as a way to support, mm-hmm. you know, uh, um, a brand that you patronize. And it's really a way to connect with the community in a, in a deeper, yeah. more meaningful level. And as more infrastructure rolls out, you can reward those people who has, you know, a certain number of frames or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, there's yeah. just so many things that you can do. Right. And, and taken out of the film vertical, uh, just for a quick second, I, like you believe and still believe that, you know, every social media post should be an NFT similar to what you just said. I, I, for one, follow a lot of social media influencers or even celebrities that's, you know, mm-hmm. now are influencers on social media. Uh, and I, I believe the demand far outweighs the supply. I mean, just take a look at, I don't mm-hmm. know, just pick any celebrity, for instance, uh, the most famous one out there, uh, Ronaldo for soccer, right? He has a mm-hmm. hundred million followers on Instagram. And I think I'm preaching to the choir here, but yeah, yeah. As a fan, I mean, wouldn't you want to own his one of his social media posts? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I, maybe there are some you know uh, sensitivities around that, but it's already out in the public. I mean, he's mm-hmm. already posted on social media. But if you, as a fan, can say, "Hey, I oh, I own this social media post, or a Twitter post, or a you know uh, whatever it may be, a, whatever a TikTok, right? Uh, that's something that would really be valuable." If, if that post takes off, you know, mm-hmm. or if some it's something that's iconic, right? There's a lot of iconic, memeable things, you know, mm-hmm. especially in today's world. Everything becomes a meme, right? Uh, and I think that I, I see that as a way to connect, you know, you know, influencers, brands or whatnot mm-hmm. to each other in a more meaningful way. Uh, um, so I just wanted to echo what you're doing. Yeah. And I hope that it, it, it's applied to not only film, mm-hmm. but to like everything else also. Yeah. And I think you're touching on something that to me is very, very important to all of this is that you know, you must be into soccer and you feel a connection to that soccer player. And mm. it's the same thing with the films. As I said, people feel a real connection, just like musicians or anything else. And, mm. you know, with music, you hear about the musicians, you know, turning one of their songs into an NFT, which, you know, of course that could work, but you only have one song or maybe 12 songs for an album. And again, this sort of goes back to the thing with the films. This is what we have. We have frames of the film. So, it just seems like a very natural, um, natural way of using this technology to um, to get to get out to the film to get out to the film fans. Yeah, and you since you've led the way, you know what has been learning lessons. You know from your reaction from the community members that bought 
you know, some of your frames? Mm-hmm. Well, it's, you know, it's right now, I would say it's more of just a curiosity. You know, people are sort of curious about it. So they're willing to buy a frame. One of the things we did, me and Tony just talked about this and it was really important was we made these very inexpensive. So um, we minted on Polygon. So it's Matic and the price of Matic has obviously been up and down, but it's roughly one Matic to $1, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we priced ours at five Matic. Um, so we tried to make them accessible for everyone. And again, I think that sort of goes to what we're sort of trying to do here. We're just trying to make them accessible to everyone, let them get out there and then see if there's some sort of a market for this. I think one thing I've definitely learned is my audience is mentioned. I have a podcast selling screenplay.com where I talk to typically screenwriters every week. Um, and I talk about whenever I talk about something on the podcast, sometimes I might say, hey, if you have any experience in this, just send me an email. I'd like to hear from you. And I always get a handful of emails, no matter what I'm talking with crypto, it's utter crickets. So my screenwriting <laughs> audience does not, they just, they don't know anything about crypto right now. Now, on the flip side, when I've been approaching crypto people like yourself, I can see that you guys obviously understand what I've done. And I've been getting, frankly, a very good reaction. I mean, the crypto people I've talked to are excited about it. And um, it seems like kind of a cool thing for them. As I said, um, they understand what it is. I mean, crypto people understand film much better than film people understand crypto, if that makes any sense. Um, And I just, I haven't gotten a lot of traction from the film end of side and end of things um, as opposed to the crypto. I'm definitely getting some interest from crypto people. Yeah, I think it's going to be like that for a while. Similar to the mm-hmm. internet, you know, it took. Yeah. I mean, we're still we're still iterating on internet now. It's twenty three. Mm-hmm. Well, probably like forty yeah. years later, right? Yeah, yeah. And it just takes some time, unfortunately, uh, for everyone to really see the perks and benefits of it, which mm-hmm. outweigh, you know, kind of what the media has put out there currently, right? Yeah, yeah, for uh, sure. So, so, for your projects in the future, uh, is this something you're looking to implement? you know, more retroactively as an added revenue, or maybe you're looking uh, maybe in the future to uh, share this information prior to your next film to raise funds. Uh, what, what's your thoughts on that? So um, there's a couple of things and, and I'm just sort of debating like, what is this thing? I mean, obviously everything is time and how much energy you could devote to something. But I think one thing I would like to do, and I have connections in the industry, I would like to find some higher profile movies that I can help mint all mm. of those frames into an NFT because I think at this point, like our film, The Rideshare Killer, um, it's a new film. It's not, you know, there is no real fan base. We're trying to still build that fan base. But I think, and I think what I've done is a good proof of concept, but I think there is going to ultimately be limited interest until other people start to do the same thing. So that's part of my plan is can I connect with some filmmakers that have films with a much greater audience? Um, and can I maybe bring them into the fold, which will hopefully help you know, my own, my own project. Um, I mean, I think there's some value to my project just as a, as a historical, you know, it's the first film, it's the first one that actually did this. And I think there will be other films that continue to do this. So that's one piece. I'd like to help the other people in film potentially do this. I think it could be a great thing for the film industry. Obviously it could be a great thing for me personally as well. Now on future projects, um, you know, this is one of the things that I debated and I've talked, you know, when me and Tony were talking about this, a lot of the, the, the film, the film NFT and, and the film crypto projects that have come through so far, it's been exactly what you're saying. Like they've been trying to raise the money before they make the film. And, you know, I, the, the things, again, I get a lot of these come across my desk through publicists because I have this podcast. Um, and most of them seem to have, you know, like in 2017, I was hearing about all these ICOs, you know, they're going to create their own token and they have this ICO and that's going to, you know, fund the film. And I just, I remember talking to some producers about that and 
they, I didn't understand crypto back then at all. And frankly, they didn't seem to understand it much better than I did. It just felt kind of like a money grab. And lately, what we've seen with the NFTs is sort of what you described with Lord of the Rings, where they sort of create some, some artwork that's going to go with the film, and then they mint that into an NFT. And again, if, if that works and that's that's what you're going to be doing, I'm not going to poo-poo on it and good for you if you can make that work. But I don't, again, as a film fan, I would see these come through my my desk and it just, it didn't get me excited. Um, it just didn't get me jazzed up to buy NFTs right. of a film that wasn't, that I hadn't even seen yet or, and I wasn't in, in really invested in. So I'm going to try and resist the, the <laughs> impulse, which I really understand because you know, if you've never worked in independent film by far, and like 99% of the hard work in independent film is raising the money. Like everything else is pretty straightforward once you've raised the money. So I understand the impulse to find another way to raise the money, but I don't really see it any differently than a Kickstarter or Indiegogo. I mean, what are you really doing here? Yeah, you're minting this thing on the blockchain. Yeah, it could go up in value, but it's really just you're trying to pre-sell your, your movie. You're trying to, to get your fans, maybe like in the case of Lord of the Rings, there's a million fans out there. So they have a little bit of a following that they can do this and try and raise some of that money. But um, but for me, what I think I'm going to try and do is something similar to what I've done is, you know, make a film, let people watch it and then let them decide if there's, um, you know, some value in these frames. Let them go into it. I mean, I've thought through some of the you mentioned some of the rights issues. You know, I, I think there could be some interesting smart contracts that film people come up with. You know, it's like a film like mine, you know, it, it's the, the IP. I mean, obviously, Disney's at a different level, but with my film, like it's I couldn't figure this out just technically because I'm so new to the thing, but I could see doing a film in the future where I give people the rights to exploit that NFT. Like if mm. they buy an NFT with the lead actor on it, they can go make toys and T-shirts and everything else. And that's, you know, sort of that board ape um, yacht club model where you're giving people yeah. the rights to go out of it. I could see that being a great thing where someone buys the NFT and they get the rights to make toys or T-shirts or whatever and actually sell them. And again, for a movie like mine, an independent film like mine, I'm not really losing out on that money because I'm never going to make toys or T-shirts or anything. It's just, it's really mm -hmm. a way of marketing the film. It's a way of bringing awareness to the film. So I'm sort of thinking along those lines, how can I do something with NFTs and smart contract and give out people's rights? Would there be any interest in this? The other thing I'm thinking about is, um, you know, I mean, there's the obvious things as well. Like if you buy one of the NFTs, we could build a website where you could log in, you could watch the movie, those kinds of things. You get some perks, you know, you could have some Q&As with film fans, that sort of stuff. I definitely think that's in the offering. Like for sure, Disney eventually is going to have something where if you own one of Disney's NFTs for this movie, you can go to the Disney website and watch it. You know, there'll be something like that where the NFT is sort of like a key to it. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I've just been thinking about, you know, what else could you potentially give off as an NFT, as a filmmaker, an independent producer. Um, you mentioned DAOs. You know, how can we work those into it? You know, it, like with all this, I've been doing a little um, research into um, Unreal Engine. You know, there's all these assets oh, yeah. you can buy and you can put these things together. You know, what if I made a sci-fi movie and I sold those digital assets that I used in Unreal Engine? I sold those as NFTs and actually gave people the rights to make their own movie using those same assets. Um you know, it would be another way, again, to sort of bring awareness to my own film. People are sharing assets. Um, so there's a million things like that that I've just, you know, sort of been kicking around and thinking about. But certainly for my next one, I probably will do the same thing. I'll try and do a little bit of a bigger movie, a little more PR. Now I sort of have my my sea legs on how to actually technically do this. <laughs> um, so I think that will be the next thing. And I would like to to put in more 
just more sort of integration. Like I think the next step for me anyways, um, just technically speaking, is build a website hub where people who own these NFTs can go in. They can always watch the movie and there'll be a bunch of other perks. Maybe it's just interviews. Maybe it's news and information about the sequel, that sort of stuff um, coming up. But I think that's sort of the next step. Yeah, you just opened up a whole another can of good worms mm-hmm. uh, because the digital focus film specifically, Dick, that would be you know very exciting for community mm-hmm. members or viewers, or just audience members to partake in you know the film itself. You mm-hmm. know, I imagine that Pixar said, "Hey, you know, uh, if you want to buy this tire off this car and this is your tire, you know, that would be everyone would go bonkers over that." Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, just for that sure. One thing. But on a smaller scale, I think there would be absolute interest for. Um, having some sort of IP rights, because that would mm-hmm. further, you know, uh, um, persuade me to create, you know, something of mm-hmm. that. And I wouldn't say a value, something of that. Yeah, intrinsically to me, but, you know, extrinsically to you guys, you know, it, it would be marketing value mm-hmm. because it might be more meaningful, you know, um, to have something that I call, oh, my own IP and I made a pillowcase out or a T-shirt mm-hmm. out of it. That would be very, very exciting. So yeah, yeah. yeah I would definitely... Yeah, say that. And for sure, again, just going with this whole idea of EFM, every frame minted, it's like, you know, think of how exciting that would be if an independent filmmaker was releasing his film. Everybody goes in there, buys the frames that they think are the cool ones that are going to work on a T-shirt. And then, you know, again, it's just it's another sort of litmus test. People are choosing on their own, you know, what they think is going to be valuable. And maybe they're right, maybe they're wrong. But um, the bottom line is everybody is sort of in control of their destiny and, and what they do and what they do with these things. Yeah. And, and and I know this is not the, the, the show for it, but it can even spill over to, you know, I watch a lot of Japanese manga. Mm-hmm. It, it could be books, pages of scripts, even if, like mm-hmm. a script from the friends. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of things that can apply. And I hope it does, you know, because that's just more uh, it just draws more of the community members in to be part of whatever, you know, a brand that you want to build. Uh, so you've had some a lot of experience within the film side of you know of blockchain of, of interactions or integrations. Have you seen anything that is meaningful? Like you mentioned, you know, raising money is just another Kickstarter mm-hmm. Indiegogo. Um, has there been other meaningful activations for blockchain in the film? I, I I know I've heard through the grapevine that they're looking to do you know distributed. Um, hosting for film where mm-hmm. it's not centralized on Netflix servers. Uh, and we don't need to get deep in the weeds here, but that's just some things I've heard. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is there and anything I've heard exciting? those same sort of things, but I haven't um, I haven't seen anything in practice. Like I've, I've heard of these things, like you have read articles that people are proposing these things, but mm-hmm. I think we're still some time away um, from some of those things. I just, I haven't really seen any anything that... Um, you know, is is that advanced, let's say, in the things I can, as I said, I go back to this idea that I mentioned earlier. It's like the people in film are really not caught up on crypto. They really are not fully understanding what's happening here. Um, And I think, you know, the people in power, just like every industry, the people in power are worried about, you know, maintaining their grip on the power, maintaining, you know, Mm -hmm. with distribution. I mean, Disney is, you know, they have their distribution channels all set. So a disruption to that, maybe ultimately it'll be a good thing for them, but they're going to proceed very, very cautiously because, I mean, they've got, you know, a billion dollar business going here. Um, They don't want to just have a sea change overnight. So I think it's going to take a number of years. And and to answer your question directly, no, I really haven't seen anything that's actually in practice up there work. Um, that you know really really is all that impressive to be honest with you in the film film industry. Yeah, 
I, I tend to agree. Although I do think adoption will be a lot quicker once we see some, you know, more creative integrations of this. Mm-hmm. We never, in a prior to, you know, a few years back, you know, none of the companies had TikTok divisions or Web3 divisions, but now they're forced to compete in that, mm-hmm. in that realm, right? And, and once yeah. more, once there's more interactions with people owning, maybe, you know, frames or owning a piece of the YouTube content mm-hmm. or whatever content on any platform, I think a lot of these companies are going to be forced to pivot because they're going to mm-hmm. see, you know, attention kind of move there. And we're kind of seeing that already, right? Attention spans gotten mm-hmm. smaller and smaller <laughs> yeah, from full yeah. feature length films to like Netflix mm-hmm. series down to like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, my TikTok, new TikToks, yeah. right? So I don't know how yeah. we can get any smaller, but I think uh, the new wave of attention is is going to be on the blockchain. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, definitely. And I think it goes back to the comment I made earlier is that I think whether it's me or somebody else, but we've got to get some higher profile movies. Yeah. We've got to convert those to these EFMs and that will bring awareness. I mean, whether you like Trump or don't like Trump, I mean, I thought his NFT collection was frankly ridiculous, but <laughs> he sold like 50,000 of these things. So yeah. it shows you the power of, you know, having that, um, you know, I don't know that many Trump supporters, but, you know, I'm pretty sure they're not super hip on crypto either. But no. somehow, you know, 50,000 of them figured out how to buy these these NFTs. So it's it, it is there. The market is there. And as I said, if I can find or help find um, a high profile movie, I mean, think about some of the movies from the 80s, like Friday the 13th or some of these movies that have real, real big fan bases. You could take that original Friday the 13th movie and minted NFTs. And I'm pretty sure you would have a real good turnout of people that love that movie that would come in and they would buy those entities and we just need one big success like that and i think that will really convert the that will turn the tides and and then other companies like disney they'll have to take notice and they'll start do the napkin math on their own hey is this going to be profitable is this going to be helpful and i go back to this you know it's like those disney movies they have two hundred thousand frames and it's like if they average a hundred dollars a frame that's 20 million dollars if they average a thousand dollars a frame which is not inconceivable Mm -hmm. um for a star wars movie or movie that's 200 million dollars and that's the that's more than the full budget of these films so it's it's hard to imagine that if they start to see some of these things succeed they won't follow suit because it just makes all kinds of sense for them yeah absolutely i mean it's not unimaginable because you know yuga labs aboard a yacht club has close to mm-hmm. probably two hundred thousand nfts out there uh maybe not close but they don't have a strong as that IP and people are paying, you know, <laughs> through the roof yeah. for these insane yeah. JPEGs that doesn't have any IP. I mean, they're working on building it. Mm-hmm. So awesome. So what's in store for the future? Um, is there a new film coming out? Yeah. Give so right now we're just, yeah, right now we're just trying to get this one out. Um, you know, as I said, we're, if, if this goes well and we have some success with this one, we definitely have some ideas for rideshare killer too. So hopefully we can build a horror franchise if we get a little bit of traction. And as I said, there's definitely some sort of NFT things. I'd like to build sort of a portal that you can log into using your, your, um, your blockchain and, um, you know, start to build a community around it, around not just the film, but just, crypto and film in general. Um, the other thing I'll, I was just going to say, and I sort of mentioned this before we started recording, but you know, I'm happy to give your listeners some free frames as well. Um, if they just want to email me info at selling your just send me your polygon address and pick out a frame or you can find all of our frames at the rideshare slash NFTs. And we have a nice little app there. You can scroll through the frames and figure out what frame you want. And um, just send me a frame number and um, your Polygon address. And I'm happy to, to send some free frames out. Let's say, you know, the first hundred people that um, that respond, we'll, we'll give them all free frames. Um, but but happy to do that. And that's definitely um, going to be a part of what we're doing here. Awesome. That's very generous. Definitely. I'll put all the info down below. 
before we part ways, I mean, screenwriting is something that's new to me and you mm-hmm. run a podcast about it. So if I ever have a bright idea, I'm not sure how this works. Is that what happens? I hand that idea over to a screenwriter or I create it myself and it becomes a full-blown movie and I become very wealthy. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's precisely how it doesn't work. Um, okay. <laughs> see, see, the thing is, the thing you have to remember is, and and I'm sure you get this in the crypto business, and and you know when I tell someone I'm a screenwriter, they're like, oh, I got this great idea for a movie. There's never been anything like it. it's a great, and it's like just multiply that out by the entire planet. I mean, mm-hmm. most people on the planet Earth could probably come up with at least one pretty good idea for a movie. And so right there, that's eight billion ideas. Mm-hmm. So the the thing that has value in Hollywood, it's really not the idea. We, we look at stuff and we think that it is, but it's really not. It's a great idea wrapped in a well-executed screenplay. And, you know, that's the thing is having a great idea is one thing, but being able to convert it to a screenplay, mm-hmm. a hundred, 110 page screenplay that actually works and, and has momentum and gets people fired up and executes that great idea in a great way. That's really what has value. And so I get a lot of people exactly coming to my website, exactly like, you. oh, I got this great idea, but it's, you know, you never know. In Hollywood, you know, there's no there's no one way to succeed in Hollywood. You can be outside the box. So just as soon as I say, oh, no, nobody wants ideas. you got to write a script. You know, one of your listeners will pitch the right person with just an idea and that person will like it. So you never know. I'm not saying it could never happen. But for the most part, if you go look at the movies that are getting made, certainly by studios, um, it's, it's once in a blue moon that you mm. hear of sort of a novice screenwriter getting like really getting a studio movie. I mean, those movies, you know, they're tens, hundreds of millions of dollars. You, you know, as a business person, you want some sort of track record. Like even if the idea and the script comes from a novice screenwriter, you're still going to pay a couple hundred thousand dollars and hire an experienced screenwriter to rewrite it, to go over it and to polish it up and stuff. So it's again, it happens every once in a while, there'll be an idea that makes it to the right person and takes off, but very, very rare. And if you're serious about pursuing screenwriting, you need to take a longer term approach, which is learn some of the basics of writing a script. Okay. I'm going to correct myself. That was not the last question. So I know okay. this is not a, this is an NFT podcast, but so one question, or one topic that's been really hot recently is, so you're telling me chat GPT is not going to write a movie. I mean, just to, give our audience uh, members just some insight, you know, how is that rippling through yeah. right now? It's, it's such a, a great question. Topic. No one is, yeah. no one has asked me that, but I did talk about it on my podcast. So as you can tell, obviously I'm a screenwriter, but I'm also into technology. And so mm-hmm. I have been using chat GPT a little bit and I did go in there and said, write a screenplay scene where, um, what was my example where a, a son is trying to get something from a mother and give me a surprise ending. And it, it just mm-hmm. cooked out this script. And, and then I did, I tweaked it a couple of times and it seemed to actually learn, you know, the first script, the second script was very similar to the first script and you know, the joke. So I'll give you an example. So I said, give me a surprise ending. So it gave me a surprise ending. So the scene, basically the woman, um, was was he needed an allowance? He was trying to get a raise in allowance, and they were talking back and forth of why she get the raise. The mom finally agreed to the raise, leaves the room, and then something pops up on his computer, and he has a a great job offer from a company, and now he's going to get even more money. So that was the surprise ending. So mm-hmm. I would say, as a writer, and if someone gave me those pages and I was critiquing them. I, my description of it would be it's OTN on the nose. The writing was just very on the nose and straightforward. Now, with that said. I'm going to try this as an experiment on my next screenplay. 
I'm just going to scene by scene go in and basically tell me, write me a screenplay scene like this. Now, I the way I wrote, write, and most screenwriters, I'd say at least more than half, let's say, there's a lot of outlining involved. You do a very detailed outline of every single scene. So I'm going to go in there and just one by one crank out the scenes. I find for myself, the hardest part of screenwriting is facing the blank page. And in screenwriting, we have this thing called a vomit draft. So (laughs) it's very common for a writer to just sit down and just get that first draft out of the way just to get it out. And then it's easier, in my opinion, and a lot of screenwriters' opinions, it's easier to rewrite than it is to write. And so that's where I think ChatGPT could be really beneficial. And my mom actually runs a um, runs a garden blog. Um, she's retired. And it's sort of her retirement job. And I showed this to her and she said, oh, I'm going to give it a try. So she went in there and she does book reviews on gardening books. And she went in there and said, give me a book review, a thousand word book review on this book. Oh, wow. And it pumped it right out. And now she's very diligent. And so she went in there, really checked it. But and rewrote it, but it actually worked pretty well. I mean, there was some mistakes and this things, mm-hmm. and she wrote it. But again, it gave her that sort of first draft, that sort of vomit yeah. draft. So I think in the short term, I'm going to try it. I'm going to go and I'm going to try and write an entire script. Obviously, I'm going to tweak it. It's just going to be the vomit draft, and and then I'll be going back in and rewriting it. Um, but it, if nothing else, it creates the slug lines. Yeah. It'll create the character. I mean, it'll just create some of the things that that you need. Some of the maybe some of the dialogue. Maybe you'll use it. But again, even if you don't use a single word of dialogue that it creates, it's easier to rewrite than it right. is to write, in my opinion. So, so that's that's how I see it, and that's what I'm going to give it a, give it a whirl. But I definitely do think. I mean, I'm on board with these sorts of AIs. I do think they're going to be transformative, um, and I'm just trying to stay ahead of the curve a little bit. Awesome. Well, thank you for your input and and outlook on what's happening inside of film, blockchain, and even Mm -hmm. AI with uh, uh, ChatGPT now. It's been super, you know, interesting to have this conversation with you because I'm not regularly within the film industry and to Mm -hmm. have, you know, your insight is is very valuable. Yeah, yeah. Joe, well, I really appreciate it. I really appreciate it coming. I really appreciate you having me on and and talking with you about this. And as I said, if anybody has questions or wants a free frame, just info at sellingyourscreenplay.com. Just send me an email. And, um, you know, my weekly screenwriting podcast is sellingyourscreenplay.com. And then, as I said, the NFTs are the ridesharekiller.com slash NFTs. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll put oh, and one more plug. Yeah. I started to plug everything so much. Oh, no, you can see the rideshare killer on Tubi for free. Actually, if you go to Tubi TV, it's free. It's kind of like Netflix. They have ads instead of, you know, no ads. So that's why it's free is because you do have to watch some ads, but it's available there now. And, and I hope everybody goes and checks it out. Yep. And starring Academy Award nominated actor, Eric Roberts. So exactly. Exactly. Yeah. He was great. Yeah, definitely looking forward to that because there's a lot. Of, I'm in San Francisco, a lot of rideshare apps, and I might not want to mm-hmm. get into a rideshare after watching yeah. your movie. <laughs> but yeah, it's been, I, I look forward to maybe not, hopefully not this long, but a year down the road and what mm-hmm. you know advancements there will be. So yeah, uh, yeah, I'd love to sure. have you back and see what how, what that means in, in the film world. So thank you yeah, so much for, for hopping on. Yep, I'm always available, Joe. So do stay in touch. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.